Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dr. Carol Francis Talk Radio Show. Let's make life happen together with authors, scientists, researchers, both inside the box and outside the box of understanding so that you can live a life full of your success, curiosity, enjoyment, happiness, and richness of life in every respect. Let's go beyond our limits and let's help others go beyond their limits as well. Welcome. Oh, today we definitely go beyond our normal earthly limits to realizing that we are so very connected to many, many realms of reality and many, many entities or beings or angels in those realities. And today to walk us down that path in relationship to angels and healing is an amazing human being, Raven Keys, who's a Reiki master who has worked with Dr. Oz, but her legacy goes way beyond even that. But that's often where she's identified. Raven, thank you so so much for joining us today. I'm so incredibly enthusiastic about having you on today. I'm incredibly enthusiastic to be with you too, Dr. Carol Francis. <laughs> it's really a, an honor to be on your radio show um, again. I had such a wonderful time the last time that I was able to be on and so excited to be having such a wonderful time yet again. Okay, thank you. Let's do a little bit of promotion of your book, but Listeners will give you a lot more information as we go along because we're going to dive right into the topic. But let the the healing light of angels, Raven, tell us just a little introduction about it, but definitely where people can reach it and attain it and so forth and so on. And we're going to dive right into the discussion of who are angels and what's this all about. Well, everybody has a guardian angel. And when... Um, you are able to get in touch with that being. Your life becomes so much better. The fact is, the angels are there, but they can't do anything. That's like the law. For anybody out there who's in the healing arts, there's always the issue of permission. You must have the client's permission to work on them. Um, And it's the same with angels. There's a scene in a in a movie. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, uh, but it, it has Meg Ryan and Nicolas Cage in it. And he's an angel, and she's a human. And there's an accident that she has, and he's like her guardian angel. So, but he falls in love with her. But when, but the fact is, you see the emergency room scene, and all these angels. You see the angels sitting at the side of all the beds just sitting there watching the person that they're connected to. And that's more or less what goes on unless you ask them to help you. The angels can do anything, unbelievable things. Even if you're in the middle of a disaster, they can bring you something that will be very valuable to you and will change your life. They're just pure love, just pure unconditional love, and they're... There are gifts to us from whatever you want to consider the source to be. It's just phenomenal to be able to communicate with them. And I give um, ways to do that in my book. Um, I've I've gotten so many letters from people already about how um, the healing light of angels has helped them to connect with their own angels and how that's benefited them in extraordinary ways. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing I, I really appreciate about your book. You dived right into saying, okay, this is how you connect to angels, many types of meditations or approaches. But before we move into that, 
Raven, how do we know that angels are real as opposed to our imagination, our higher self, our inner voice, uh, or, or something else going on? What is distinctly unique for people who don't see them or know or have that verification that allows them to know, oh, this is an angel, not just my imagination or my higher self or my inner, my inner voice? Well, it's really important to um, develop trust within yourself. One of the things that I did um, when I was uh, became aware of the fact that something extraordinary was happening was that I did a lot of automatic writing and journaling. It's like the journaling actually led to the automatic writing. And then I started to get this information. I didn't know these things that were coming through to me. They were just beautiful things that were being said And then what started to happen was that things started happening in my daily life to let me know that, yes, I was being guided by angels. It's very, um, it's, um, it's, you can find it in your, in your daily life. That's where you see the proof. It's also, um, it, it takes practice, I think. I guess that's the best way of putting it, to trust yourself. It's always the same for everybody. Every single person, for the most part, unless they're, you know, really very spiritual or or extremely um, naive, I guess I would say, everybody doubts it in the beginning. But you, but it's just about developing the trust through what happens in your daily life when these beings start to connect with you and tell you things or guide you, a really amazing story that I'd like to share came from um, a friend of mine. She gave a copy of my book to a friend of hers who is an advocate for children who are in abuse, uh, they're being abused in their families, and they. Um, this woman rescues these children out of terrible situations. So she read my book and through one of the meditations she contacted the archangel gabriel gave her advice um on what to say in court to get these this brother and sister out of this terrible situation and they um she had been fighting for three years to rescue these children and when she went to court and she said what Gabriel told her to say, it was done immediately. The judge wow. signed the paper. The children were taken out of the bad, bad situation and put into loving foster homes together, you know. But it was like holy mackerel. I mean, that was just breathtaking. But that's what I mean. Like, you have to, to trust and follow the directions that you get and see where it leads you. And then you know. So it's, it's, it's kind of like this relationship that forms one step at a time where you can yes. start hearing and start responding and start the dialogue. And certainly your book is about creating a dialogue with your angels. The other question I have is that you're very clear about demarcating Gabriel from uh, Michael from, you know, you, you can have this distinct kind of connection where knowing which angel you're communicating with or communicating with you. But what is that like? I mean, how can you tell the differences? I think it's more about what I need. And I know that the, really and truly my um, my true feeling and belief about the angelic realm is that it's an enormous, powerful realm of pure love. 
and and truthfully it's it's able to do so many things and for us as humans it's important for us to be able to name something it's it's a powerful part of our our spiritual experience to be able to name something and call it to us from my deepest understanding of this is that when I call to the Archangel Michael, there's an energy that comes to me that I can feel, I, it's, but it's part of the whole. It's part of the whole thing. And um, so it, it is, I don't know even if I'm answering the question that you are asking me, but, but um, I just know at this point I trust and I, I I feel the energies that come around to me and I identify them for myself as Gabriel or Michael or Raphael or Ariel and I um call them and and I have the experience of what they are to me. It, does that make sense to you? Is that clear or do we it, you know it, it's clear but it it does really describe that this is all about having a very personal relationship. So your experience of them is going to be relevant to you and someone else's experience is probably going to be relevant to them. And I also wondered in the book, you know, do we have to go through a state of disaster emergency like so many of the examples in your amazing book? Again, we're talking to Raven Key, the author of The Healing Light of Angels, that that when they went through a disaster, that's when they were able to tune into or see or hear, experience the presence of their angels. Do we have to go through that? kind of dance to tune in to these these welcoming forces that's a really great question and the and the truth and the truth of the matter is no we do not need to go into a disaster it's just really comforting for people to know that if you are in a disaster you're not alone that you know the angels can um assist in any kind of situation but really it's so joyful to be um in their presence and and to to know that you're communicating with them and that's why I, I just love I still to this day I love to sit down and write letters to I write letters to Gabriel in my in my journal and then he like responds to what I'm writing it's almost like writing love letters you know what I mean and then there's love that comes back or if I have an issue I don't know what to do I mean my um my husband recently died unexpectedly. He was very young. And I asked Gabriel, like, why did this happen, you know? I mean, and Gabriel gave me an amazing answer that I never would have imagined and in which he described to me that my husband had a specific reason that he chose to be born and that I had um, said I would assist him in his work on this earth and that his big work is going to be done now that he's deceased. But he had to get all this information by being alive in order to do what he really what he really needs to do and wants to do, which is be a helper from the spirit realm. I never in a million years would have come up with that one you know it was so deeply healing for me to hear this and to um to connect with the energy with which that message was um, transmitted to me by gabriel because you feel their love so on the love of that realm so intensely 
when you sit with them, you know, mm-hmm. and ask questions or or just say, I love you, what is love, what is divinity? You can ask the most profound questions and get the most incredible answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's well, just so, so much. I know. <laughs> I'm very moved. I'm so sorry about your husband. Is is there something that you can share with listeners who have also gone through this that that your husband has shared with you since he passed on? Oh, yeah. He, he's come through, and he's told me that he's really happy and that um, that he loves me and that um, he's... He's watching out for certain things for me. And, um, you know, I've, like, said back to him, I, I don't want to delay you on your um, on your evolution, whatever it is, or keep you from your big mission. I mean, I really will be okay. I have so much connection to so many realms. And to the I, – I, I know that um, – there is a physical death, but I don't believe that that. I know that that's not the end. Like we're traveling, we're travelers. Our souls are traveling, and we're here now. But that doesn't mean he's gone. I mean, it's not like that. Um, I just think that souls get busy after a while. You know, um, as time goes by, they're really, really busy, and. Um, having a wonderful time evolving and experiencing the bliss of the universe. So after a while, it's like less and less time that you spend with them. This is my own personal thing, by the way. But my mother passed away in 2009. And, you know, after a while, they they just aren't so concerned with earthly things anymore it's just the way it is and um that's how we're we'll we'll know what that's like when the time is right for us you know we'll know what that bliss is you know profound reality is here and again i can't help but think about the individuals who do not believe and definitely need evidence or clarity and i noticed myself while i was reading your book saying okay angels if you're here provide clarity for human beings, because we need a certain type of clarity uh, to be able to grasp onto something and say, okay, this has merit. And uh, some people need a different type of clarity than others. How does that clarity come to people where they go, okay, this, you know, this is really a phenomena that I need to investigate when they may not even believe in a certain religion or a certain perspective that allows for a spiritual realm? How do they experiment and how can they make claim to be clear with me. I need to know with clarity you are there. Well, that's a really good question as well. It's um, uh, I I really feel like you. I agree with you that we need to ask the angels to bring clarity to the human race. I mean, everything is such a mess right now, and I I have my own version of why I think this is happening. But um, I I really feel that. For people who don't believe, they do need to have proof. But it's also for them to be open enough to not deny the proof when it comes and say, oh, well, whatever. I mean, if you ask the angels to prove themselves to you and they do, and then you just just disregard it, how disrespectful is that? Not just to them, but to your, high, to your own self and your abilities to create 
um, reality and with in in tandem with the angels and with the power of the universe. I mean, they are our helpers. They're there for us. If they make something for you and then you deny that they did it, well, you know, that's kind of bad for you. I mean, I work with a lot of doctors. They're scientists, pure and, and simple, a lot of them. And so, you know, I go into the operating room. I have angels with me. I have, you know, my crew that goes in with me for surgery. And some of the doctors get it, like Dr. Feldman, who's the chief of breast cancer surgery that I work with at Columbia Presbyterian, he totally gets it, but he is a total scientist at the same time. So it's pretty wondrous when that happens. I also recently went to the book signing for Dr. Mitchell Gaynor, who's like a rock star doctor in this town, and really he's revered, um, and he's uh, some, he's a scientist. He has, he does experiments. He does research, and he knows that certain vitamins and minerals fight cancer. And diet and food can be used to fight cancer. And he he is saying at, at his um, at his book signing, he was saying. We don't have 20 years to wait and do experiments and then in 20 years have the FDA approve my prescribing vitamins for my patients. He just, you know, he's like, they don't believe in what I do, but I know that what I do works. It's the same kind of thing. I mean, I think that disbelief is... um, a major issue in um, all of our society. We don't believe in things because we've just gotten so away from what's real. You know what I mean? It's like we've just disconnected from the earth. And I think, too, that one way for somebody who really doesn't have any belief in anything to really be able to start to activate their own spirituality is through connecting with nature For me, you know, I always look back to nature to show me things about what divinity actually is. And then the angels bring the love and the power to connect myself with what nature is is naturally revealing about what it means, what, what divinity and the creative force of the universe actually is. Does that answer the question, do you think? Uh, it, well, you know, we're going to go on so many directions, and so your answer brings uh, up three things. You choose the direction. Uh, one is uh, let's talk about the incredible power of love that's overwhelming, and then let's also talk about incidents uh, where both people you hoped the healing process to occur and you experience the angels in in their evidence. You even have an example where you actually saw angels in one of your own healing experiences, which I think is, I I mean, I just got chills and was so moved by that story. So those would be two directions to take us at this particular moment. Which way do you want to go? Um, Well, it's, I really think I want to tell the story of um, one of the very ill uh, cancer patients who really wasn't expected to live. She was given, like, she had stage four triple negative breast cancer, and she wasn't expected to live. If she was lucky, 
she might live for two years if she responded to treatment. But the kind of cancer that she had was very, very um, uh, aggressive and didn't normally respond to treatment. There was like a 2% chance that her body would respond to the chemotherapy. No one ever told her that she had 50 lesions of breast cancer also in her lungs. She just knew mm-hmm. that, the, that it was there, but there was no. But the, the pronouncements were really bad. And so um, she became my client, and um, she, wasn't, she was told she couldn't have surgery because she was too sick. Okay, so we, I went to all of her chemotherapy. I, you know, prayed to the angels in her presence. We talked during chemotherapy with angels there. And um, she prayed to the angels herself every morning and every night. And lo and behold, um, she had to have a port put in for her chemotherapy, which, you know, is a, a thing that's inserted into your chest because her veins were so collapsed from all the chemo, which is what happens after a while. And when she went to get the pore put in, Dr. Feldman did it because he was her you know, surgeon all along. And then he came in and announced, oh, my gosh, your, your scan results are amazing because she had just had been scanned, had one of those PET scans. Oh, my gosh, now you can get the surgery because all of those – lesions in your lungs are they're almost all gone and the ones that are left are tiny so we can do this surgery and get this cancer out of your body so that was really amazing and so when um it came time for her to get the surgery um you know on on surgery day the surgeons they go from one operating room to the other to the other because that's how it is and they're cleaning one operating room and then you know it's just a constant so the team that was working with my client had gotten her ready for Dr. Feldman to come in, and she was already unconscious when he arrived. And so um, she had said to me that she wanted the angels to be called into the operating room. And so um, when Dr. Feldman came in and he was, like, putting on his surgery coat and his gloves and everything, which they do in the room, um, he was saying... I said, Dr. Feldman, she wants the angels called in. How do you want me to handle this? Do you want me to just do it silently? What should I do? And he said, okay, everybody, come on, let's get around the table. And he called the entire, every person in the room away Uh. from what they were doing. And we stood around the operating table. And she was unconscious. He could have done anything. You know, she wouldn't know, really, but we had a ceremony and called in the angels of of the patient, of Dr. Feldman, of everybody in the room, of the archangels, and it was really amazing, like amazing energy for that surgery. Mm-hmm. It was just beyond belief. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that describes how you can feel and know the power of the angels. And, you know, I think, too, that it could be different for everybody. I mean, I think you just have to start to practice to try to connect with them because we're not used to doing it and we're not taught how. And we're, um, you know, in religion, for the most part, we're taught that, you know, 
certain people only can connect with the divine and you don't happen to be one of them. Do you know what I mean? Like that's a pretty prevalent thing. And it's not true. It's not true. We all have that connection, and the spark of divinity is within us. If we can just, like, I really actually recommend just sitting in your own heart and um, gazing upon the flame of your own life in a meditation. I don't even know if that's in the book. I don't, you know, after a while you write a book and you do so many edits and this and that, and (laughs) then it's like, is that part in the book, or did we take that out? Yeah. So it's very funny that way. But it's you like know, one really thing that I know you're thing. talking about too, and the example that I so appreciated about about Sue's healing process is that it was progressive over many, many months. And I think the people say, "Well, that angel doesn't exist. Look, at it, I'm still sick." Whereas she was also feeling kind of discouraged and, and in despair until she began to realize there had been healing taking place that she had not been able to verify yet. And that progressively all the way through to the very end, she was using medical Western medicine as well as your services as a Reiki master. I don't know what else she was engaging in, but that Angel Gabriel kept saying, we are doing our best. We're working hard here. And I was just kind of struck with, oh, this is progressive for the with the angels in the healing process, can you kind of give us a feel what that's like versus the instantaneous healing situations which also seem to occur? Well, I think that in the case of the working part, it really is like an evolution that they're working on with the person that they're engaging with. Because let's face it, like if you have a place inside yourself from something was said to you as a child or a you know, some imprint put in by a teacher or or even if you were a baby and some one of the relatives held you and thought, there's too much light here. And then you, you it's a nonverbal communication that happened even that a, a baby took in or a child took in, even a thing that doesn't have words that would stop one from feeling worthy or capable or, you know, um, deserving of of transformation, that's when I feel the really deep work is going on, like to transform these thoughts and feelings and um, these places of darkness within us that prevent an instantaneous healing. Instantaneous healing can also occur, but it just depends on what the lessons are that the person needs to learn. I mean, there are people that I've um, worked with that have come down with breast cancer. It was the biggest transformation of their whole life because now they got the opportunity to stop for a moment and repair their lives and put them in the place where they were always meant to be so that they could do what they intended to do before they were even born. Like their mission, like why they came to this planet. And let's face it, this planet and the people on it right now, with what's going on, the people on the planet right now are meant to be here. There are so many light workers who are waking up. And sometimes if you're really off the path, 
the um, the work that the angels are doing uh, is to get you back. It's almost like spiritual smelling salts. Like come, come, <laughs> come awake, come awake, and be the beauty and the wonder that you are, and um, do life. And they say, you know, the, the greatest thing that we can do as spiritual beings is to be happy. To be happy and illuminating, like radiating light. That's the most wonderful thing that we can do. And so, you know, life gets in the way. People tell you things. You have, you have your job, your children, uh, paying for college educations, all these things that come up. But then in the end, like I just know from my husband just passing, in the end, the only thing that matters the only thing that's valuable, the only thing that matters is love. And that's what the angels bring, that love that heals, that transforms, that makes things work. Because, mm. you know, we are that. That's our connection to the universe. And that's why we have to dream beautiful dreams and think positive thoughts because we're creating reality all the time and all this non-stop violent news and everything that's going on that it's 24 hours and people are addicted to watching it and um it's just making the world a mess a mess so beautiful now okay let's talk about love raven because this is like serious business and you have an example in your book when you discuss love as being so incredibly huge that we would crumble in its in, in its complete presence. And when I read that section, I went over and over, I went, oh, yes, I understand some of your meditations when I would do them with you in the book um, led me to a place of such intense love. I had to step back. It was overwhelming. Why, why does that experience, why is that there? Why does this love, is this not just a mushy sort of thing or a romantic sort of thing, this is very potent, very real presence and force. Tell us more about that. Well, you know, it's the creative force of the universe. It's like whatever you want to call it, God, goddess, all that is. It's it's so big. It's so huge. It's like, look what it's doing all the time. It's always making more. And it's like, it's a sound. It's a vibration. It's a... It's huge. It's just like we're a part of it. Like we're an expression of that. The, I, I, the way that I feel about it is that the universe, that power, that love, that God, goddess, whatever it is, is always expressing what it is and looking to see more of what it is. It's like a consciousness. What, what can it be? What can it do? What can it create? What can it do? It's like, wow, and it's so, so much love in that. There's love and joy and longing, and, and, and for, it's forever. It's a foreverness, and it's like, well, I just know that it's too much for humans to be in the presence of. And then there are times when some part of it will come through to you, and you just weep. I don't know about you, but I just, like, cry because you can't hold it. Your heart opens up so much that you almost can't stand it. You know, it's like you can, you're so grateful, but at the same time you know 
that it's so far beyond anything that you ever dreamed of in a way. It's kind of like we get born and then we have amnesia. You know what I mean? Like we mm-hmm. forget that that's what we are is part of that incredible power and force. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Einstein died um, with the desire to find the formula for whatever that is. But he wasn't able to find it, you know. Like he wasn't able to to write it into a formula. But that's what he was really going for. But I don't know if it can be put into a formula. It's like what um, he said some amazing things. Like he said, for all of his life, he would be always searching um, and contemplating and, and contemplating and searching for what light is. It's like mm. okay, yeah, you know, yeah, you know what mm-hmm. I mean. And he was the foremost scientist of our of our time and of time in a way, you know, of of time for this planet. And um, he was deeply spiritual, spiritually connected. He said, "Any scientist must come to the realization that there's something so much more." than what humans can know or be in a way that would make any one of us humble. Of course, I'm paraphrasing, but these are the kinds of thoughts that he had. Like the humility and the presence of that as a scientist, that he would bow his head and say, what, you know, I can only just imagine, like, how much am I allowed to know? That's the question I always am asking. What is divinity? What is love? You know, I'm always asking, even though I experience it to whatever level. But then there are those moments, like once you know that it's so much, so profound, you just want you want to know more. It's like, oh, please let me know what I am. I cry weeping, really, at night, especially since my husband died. I just cry, please let me know what I am. I just want to know what I am. Yeah. But not just oh, me, not in a mm-hmm. not in a egotistical like what are we? What are we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and along the lines of what are we is something you t- referenced also a moment ago is why would we contemplate other than being self-centered or narcissistic or selfish, why would we think that the angels are there to help us. I mean, why? when do we go into this, oh, we deserve it or we're entitled versus, yes, I do want to help us embrace it. I mean, there's kind of this fine line. You mentioned humility, this fine line between arrogance and deserving versus availing ourselves of what's there. How do you put that all together in terms of what people should reach out and connect to the angels? They are there. They're there to give. But isn't that kind of selfish to be thinking about it from that point of view? Well, it's not, though, because they're there to um, assist humanity in its evolution. So the more they can do for us, the more they like it. I mean, they love to help us. It's like their greatest joy. And if if we don't ask them for anything, they're basically unemployed. And um, it it helps them in their own evolution. It's like everything's rising up to remember what we really are. And then um, 
you know, they have the ability to be in the presence of that one power that's so unbelievable that we would disintegrate if we stood before it. We just we come apart because that's what we really are. And then, but they have the ability. They were created to assist us. That's why they are there. It's not an arrogant thing. It's their service to life, to to it. Um, it's their joy. Um, you know, you're, you do your work. What's your greatest joy? It's when you're working and doing your work with the people that have come to you for their, your services, for what you can give to them. There is nothing more wonderful than doing our work. There just isn't. It's the same for them on steroids, if you want to put it that way. Their joy is unbelievably infinite. But it's true that um, it's important to retain some humility ourselves about it. You know, um, they can tell you all these descriptions, give you all these descriptions of what you are, which are so amazingly powerful. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of it, it's really important to be humble. I mean, you know, and I think that's a great question because in our society, there are so many people who feel entitled. I live in New York City. You know, I mean, I, I'm in, uh, I'm in the grocery store with people who have their. I mean, we, we have tiny aisles. This is New York. Real estate is everything. It runs this city. I'm not kidding you. How much you have to pay for rent for everything for or buy or whatever. It's the number one conversation for most people. And um, so, you know, we have these little tiny aisles and people have baby carriages in them. And they're, you know, sh- using them as battering rams. You know, get out of my way. I'm coming. <laughs> I mean, it's like talk about oh, no. feeling like entitled. You know what I mean? It's like I'm surrounded by that. But it's all right, though, because I really do believe that there is an evolution coming um, to the human, to this planet. If if it doesn't come, I don't know what to say. It's like I don't know what I think. I mean, there are many, um, many um, civilizations that just evaporated into thin air. I mean, the stories are there, you know, just the Anastasia. Anastasia, Anastasia Indians, the um, yep. cliff dwelling. I mean, it looks like when the when they went in there, it's like everybody, the whole the whole nation, and all the different locations all disappeared at one time during dinner. Everything just they just all disappeared. What's that about? Mm-hmm. And what's you know what I mean? It's like there are great mysteries on this planet. That's why I think it's really good to get involved in nature if you're a non-believer in anything. Mm-hmm. Just check out what's been going on in mm-hmm. nature. Yeah the, spiritual, yeah, the spiritual awe of nature is not to be underestimated or seen as inferior to what you're talking about with angels because I I have this sense that every molecule, every every molecule of air that we breathe in is is, is an angel. And everything that is around us is something deeply spiritual. So whatever way we engage, let's engage. And I love the way that you are conversing with the angels as a form of engaging. And and in terms of that, can you now, while you're talking about the wound of our society or the things that we experience, I am 
deeply moved by what's going on with ISIS or the Nepal earthquake experiences. I feel them deep inside me, and I know that that means that, therefore, I need to be remotely very present with those situations. So those are wounds that I I feel and I work with um, in in addition to my clients or uh, people that are close to me. So what do we do when we, as a part of a consciousness of other wounds, as well as our own wounds, we we walk with those wounds or we work with those wounds and you talk a lot about healing wounds and that type of process. Would you feel up to taking us through some meditations like you do in the book with the blue light or things of that sort that can help those of us that carry the wounds um, in consciousness or as healers? I, I, um, it's another part of my brain that, um, oh. that <laughs> I you know what I mean? That. like... Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm trying to convey information. <laughs> I, I I don't know that I. Um, I mean, the other day I was um, on a, a show, and a woman asked me if the angels predicted her husband recovering from his his um, injury, and I felt very uncomfortable because you know I first of all I didn't have the husband's permission to look in to his life uh, which is was crucial and then also I felt really like well I don't know that I'm supposed to do that right now <laughs> I mean I let me see how I feel in a few minutes about it at the okay, moment very good. Well, we'll be babble on babbling about about this um mm-hmm. yeah I mean I love well, to do guided meditation believe mm-hmm. me it's one of my joys the fact mm-hmm. is if I get into it I don't know how soon I would get out that's another thing. It's like it mm. takes me, you know. So we could go past the time when the show is over and I'd still be doing it. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It's like seems like counterproductive maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Yeah. But people could just um, close their eyes right now and and just okay. go into their center and their heart. Okay. And okay. Connect you with the. Imagine yourself sitting in in a cave, like inside your chest, and that you're gazing upon this flame that is your life, your life force, the divinity that is inside you, your spark of divine light, and just let it grow, and in size, and just grow and grow until it fills the whole space around you. And then goes out into your body and then continues to grow and grow and grow and goes out into your aura, which is the field of energy around you, six feet in all directions, and it can't be stopped by walls or what you're sitting on or floors or anything. It's your energy field so that you're just in the divine light. And this makes you, um, actually, this is a really great way to do healing if you do this, you don't need permission to do healing. You can just do this and become light yourself, and then you are actually a healing force right then and there. As soon as you do this, you're a healing force in the world. And um, this is um, called transfiguration, and it's a technique that I've learned from the great and most revered American shaman, um, Sandra Ingerman, who is, she is a genius at the work that she does and what the spirits have guided her to teach. 
and um, she has encouraged all of us to teach this particular transfiguration, which is totally connected to the angels. Although she wouldn't say that maybe in those words, I'm telling you that if you do this, then you you know the angels are just like rejoicing, and there's it's so easy for you to connect with them in the state of this kind of um, radiating light. Um, so the more we can do this, the the better our life itself is going to be and the more healing that can go on around us in our environment. Because as you say, these things that are going on in the world are devastating to our psyche to know because we're all part of the web. So what happens mm-hmm. in, you know, and for me, oh, like this, just so many things. I cannot watch the news. I just don't do it anymore because mm-hmm. of the... Well, I wrote in the Reiki book, The Healing Power of Reiki, about the situation when I was, after I was doing volunteer work at the in, at Ground Zero, and then I saw that French, the French um, filmmaker's footage from the day of the disaster and heard the screaming and the sound of the bodies hitting the ground and all of it and all of it. And then it was just like, I just broke down I just had a breakdown I couldn't take it anymore it was like are you kidding me I don't want to live in a world like this where people fly planes into buildings and kill everybody without thinking about what that's going to mean and all the after effect and it was like I I didn't want to live I didn't want to live on a planet like this and it was all I could do to survive that moment and I was screaming in the bathtub and in between the screams Gabriel was saying to me never underestimate the power of the light and then I would scream and I I couldn't even hear his voice for a while because I was so devastated and then um, it was like finally I heard it and then it was like my life started to be rebuilt but I can go back to that feeling of not being wanting to be here by watching the news and the ISIS thing. And, you know, the ISIS was a goddess. Her name was revered. In the yeah. ancient Egyptian times, she, she was the epitome of love and grace and, and beauty and magic and just phenomenal, you know, divinity. And now to be turned into that, I mean, what kind mm-hmm. of world do we live in? So anyway, not to go on and on too much on that tr- on that train of thought because I don't want people to really feel as badly as I ha- did and sometimes have little split seconds of that coming back to me. I can't take it, the chances. Uh, I can't take chances with my life like that, as let, letting myself be so involved with what's going on in the world. You know, and right I know that... I'm really, I'm really struck, Raven, that of all the human beings that I meet, there are a group of people like yourself that are so empathic um, that they can feel the pain and the grief so quickly and so deeply, but they can also feel the joy and the love and the powers of, of, of sanctity and spirituality also very, very deeply. And that there are other people that, um, I think more myself, I'm very cognitive. I can live in the cognitive process and move away from the emotions. But the hamper of that is, is that we don't necessarily feel the depth of the joy and the love and the healing so that you you carry the burden of your own sensitivities 
And yet that's also your strength Um, because look at what you're tapping into that other people can't experience as primally and as authentically as you're able to convey for us. Uh, But that also makes you vulnerable to all those other echoes and shouts of pain and agony that go on. I'm reminded about, in your book, a wonderful, moving story about this beautiful uh, setting in, I think, England or Ireland. I'm not sure where you're you're in this cave, and it's great, but you also feel this dark entity. And I can see a scientist walking into that that cave and be somewhere aware of the dark entity, but mostly aware of the depth of the cave and what the fossils, uh, you know, the archaeological wonder of it all, and not feel the dark energy. But you can also walk into that cave and clear that energy, and you'll know when the angels are there working with you. So you as a healer, you have certain vulnerabilities. Um, How do you feel about me characterizing a, a section of the population of humanity in that way? I think we're all here doing our work and um, that every person on this planet is meant to be where they are and going through what they're going through and that um, all things are teachings and that we're all on the path to get to where we need to be and that we are all going to attain this uh, union within ourselves that that a union within ourselves that connects us to the highest forces of the universe and that the God, the angels are our emissaries from there helping us to raise our own vibrations because when they come in, they bring that love. And then if you can, I mean, they're around you, then you're breathing them, you know, like you were saying, all the air is filled with angels. It is. It is, especially when you call to them and you ask them to activate the, the, everything around you and in you, then they can, and then you do breathe in the angels, and it's just amazing, like, what that does. And nobody's left out. Like, there's wherever anybody is in the process, and that's why, you know what, you know, you're an author, you know what it's like to write a book. You write and you write and you write and you work with an editor and or editors, plural, and with me, I'm so lucky to work with Llewellyn Worldwide. They're such an amazing publishing company, and everybody I work with is amazing to me. But you know you don't do it for um, financial reward. That's the last thing in the world that you do it for. It's <laughs> not going to ha- I mean, you know, it's like if you are a really internationally best-selling author, you know, and they make your book into a movie, well, then maybe we're going to talk about that. But basically, <laughs> that's not what happens. It's like a lot of work. Why do you do it? Because you want to share something with people. And in my case, I hope, like I really, my only reason and joy to do it is that I will get a letter someday that somebody has helped somebody to make a connection, to do something in their life, to find, to remember, to start to study Reiki, to go into, you know, uh, those children getting saved, you know. It's really emotional. It's all about the heart. If you write a book, I hope and I hope that you're writing it from the heart because you can really, I have to say, it's really something when you start getting these messages back from people. It's not about the ego either. It's about, I, cr- I just 
can't believe how lucky I am sometimes. You know, I think I'm so lucky to be able to feel things. But I know what you're saying, though, because sometimes I feel like my heart is dead, like I can't feel. And um, it's it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting uh, moment when that happens to me. And I feel like, you know, I really pray for my heart to be cracked open because of the fact that, you know, I think I still, even after all this time, I'm still healing from what I witnessed from 9-11. It's just like so much, so much more than people can know. And I truly believe that my husband's passing had its beginning with 9-11 because he, too, is a, a genius musician and composer with so mm. much empathy, and he felt so much. And then there, mm. I, there I was going there all the time every night, and then I'd come home and just weep in his arms. It was way too much. And then mm. one thing piles on top of another, on top of another. And if you don't have a good grip on um I, I, I truly believe that the angels can help, like no matter what the situation is. But my husband didn't ever turn to the angels, you know. That's not what he did. So, interesting. You know, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I did, I did wonder about people close to you, if they they would clearly see the impact in your own life. That doesn't mean it would necessarily turn their eyes or their spirit in the same direction that that they would you know contemplate where you're coming from, but... Um, that's so interesting. Well, everybody's so on their to. own path, and every everybody, yeah. and that's the way it's supposed to be. There's no one truth, and it's also his destiny and his path, but his reason for living and for dying, you know, all mixed up in the same package. Mm-hmm. And I also feel that in our country, there's um, there's a it's very difficult for men to have. Um, a a spiritual practice that makes sense to them because they have the warrior within them. They just do. It's part of who they are. So what do they do with that? They have to do something with it. And um, I feel that in our tradition that there's actually a man in the United States now who's from Britain. His name is Jeremy White. And he's um, teaching the Norse teachings the um the the warriorship of spirituality and i recommend a lot of men to him because i feel he has a lot of women who study with him but i recommend that men connect with him he's in uh, jeremy rjwhite.com you can find him he's really a great teacher for men and i mm-hmm. i tried to connect my husband to him and they did connect on some level just once but then it didn't stick. So I think that if he had done that, that was his path, really. And it has to do with bloodlines, too. I mean, that's a whole other subject, but I don't want to get too far off the subject of we're in the, You know, we are in the midst of dialoguing with Raven Keys, who's a wonderful author, very deeply moving. Her latest book is The Healing Light of Angels. And this book can be, of course, attained on Amazon.com. And you have a new website also, uh, let's see if I can get into that. It's it's medical reiki with raven dot com, and I'm sure you could probably reach uh, Raven Keys in some other fashion as well. Raven, how can they reach you for reiki, for speaking with you, for some of your healing process? 
how can they do that respectfully? Um, anybody can send me an email at ravenkeys, ravenkeys at gmail.com. That's my, I don't, I, that's my um, business email that I always um, check. Uh, the medical Reiki is something that I have created because I realize that patients need Reiki in the operating room. It ha- if you ever go into the operating room and see what goes on in there, it's just, imperative in my from my point of view knowing what we do knowing what we provide knowing how we can take care of patients when they're going through the worst situation of their life they're scared they're this or that if they're if when we go with patients they get so many benefits from it on a physical on a physical level there's a lot, a lot less pain there's less bleeding there's their blood pressure stays great on the on the table, the doctors, the energy in the room is good. Everything flows right. There aren't mishaps. Things just go right. And um, and then there's somebody there to take care of the patient because um, in today's world, those surgeons, they're so important because these things, if something needs to be done, it needs to be done. And surgery can be a miracle. These people save people's lives all the time. But they're very, very concerned about this little vein right here, and they have to be totally focused on what they're doing because if they aren't, something can really go amiss. So, you know, this little vein is the most important thing in the universe right now and not um, damaging that in some way. That's, it gets to be so, so, so much minutia that there, there's no awareness that there's a patient there. So when the Reiki master's in the room, there's the um, the somebody's taking care of the patient's life. By the time they go to surgery, even if you just met them in pre-op, you met their husband, their wife, their um, sometimes their children are there. You might have had a ceremony with them in pre-op if that's what you felt they needed. Like I've I've done that with women who are going to have mastectomies. We say we do a ceremony so they can say goodbye to their breast. And I've I've had their grown children weeping, thanking their mothers for everything they did for them. I mean, it's really an emotional thing. And somebody needs to be minding that store, in my opinion. So I'm training people on how to go into the operating room for two reasons. Number one, I want them to be safe and to, to take care of themselves while they're in that hardcore environment. It is so brutal. It's brutal for somebody like us without medical training. We are not, I mean, surgeons love to do surgery, but it's really, really a lot to, to, to go through. For yourself, as a Reiki practitioner in the environment, it's no, there's no gentle music. There's no, you know, it's like you are not in anything that's easy to be um, part of. And for whatever reason, I, it was my job to figure out how to do this, and I'm teaching other people how to do it. Reiki masters who want to do surgery because I know that it's happening and that patients are starting to, to demand that they have Reiki during surgery, and they have power. The patients need to know. They have the right to interview surgeons and say, I want Reiki during surgery. Are you going to give it to me? And if you're not, I'm going to a different hospital and a different doctor who will, and just keep going and educate the doctors, you know, and demand and get your way. And um, so I'm training people for the future to make that and a reality. So when people in again, wherever, 
th- those people can reach you again at medicalreikiwithraven.com because you are offering classes in medical reiki. Uh, tell us a little bit about your schedule for these classes. July well, 11th, I have July classes 18th. coming up in um, July in Canada. I'm going to be teaching um, medical reiki in um, Canada, in Windsor, Ontario, July 11th and 12th. And then I'm doing a class in Toronto area on the 18th and 19th of July. And then I'm teaching um, medical reiki in New York City July 31st and August first over that weekend and and then i i have to schedule in um dubuque iowa and charlotte north carolina and people want me to come to california and those things are still um being worked out but yeah thank oh yeah so much for mentioning <laughs> include that. me in that as well and we'll we'll keep it our listeners advised oh i don't want to end this dialogue with you raven keys i want it to go on forever i thank you so much for your presence your empathy your hard work and bringing us the message of our angels and our own powers in association to the entities that are there to assist us. And listeners, let's just close our eyes for a moment, take a very deep breath in, feel the message that Raven Key has given you. And Raven, can you just talk us through a little bit of the Gabriel energy or the Michael energy as we end our program so that people can begin their own communication and dialogue with their angels if they haven't already? Well, it's really important to get in touch with the Archangel Michael. So imagine that you're surrounded now by the the light blue light of the Archangel Michael and that Mm -hmm. it's starting to go uh, around counterclockwise. And it's going Mm -hmm. around you, around your body, and it's also going inside your body, and it's going all the way down to your cells. Everything is spinning little by little, making go faster and faster. And think to yourself, thank you, Michael, for taking out toxins, both physical toxins, emotional toxins, mental toxins. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael, for taking the toxins out of my body. And then experience it. As you say thank you, it starts to spin faster because you're giving him more and more permission from deep within yourself. If you feel like you have blocks, keep saying thank you to the angels because they can then take them out easier. And just spin and spin and spin. Let it go, 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 let it go. And just so that you can know how to end this, kind of process i'm doing this very quickly but you can do this for as long as you need if you just had a bad thing go down do this for a while until you feel like you're clear then you ask the you ask the energy to stop you ask michael to stop the energy going in that direction and you call in the archangel gabriel and you ask gabriel spin the energy in the opposite direction because the universe doesn't like a vacuum. Things are being taken out of you, then they're replaced by the energy of Gabriel, love and light and the future and tomorrow and the day after that and joy. And also when Gabriel spins in the clockwise direction, it puts a seal on everything that was taken by Archangel Michael and that can't come back anymore. So it's gone for good. And so that's a very profound exercise that can be done. Oh, it certainly is. <laughs> I'm experiencing it now. 
Raven, parting words for all of us. And well, what would you I say? just want to thank you, Doctor Carol Francis. You're such a beautiful lady in every mm-hmm. way. So beautiful and such a wonderful spirit on this earth. I'm so glad that I. I've connected with you and all to everybody out there. Just know that you are loved more than you can imagine, that you mm-hmm. are so loved by the angels. And I encourage you to really get in touch with them and let your life become what it was always meant to be a light and filled with joy. And not that you won't go through things, but when you go through things, the angels are there and they can give you insight. and and healing and comfort no matter what. So just Mm. do your best and believe in yourself. Believe in the divine spark that you are of the universe, your pure Mm. love. So that's all I have to say. Oh, Raven, thank you for touching us so, so deeply. And I hope in your own journey for you to always know how deeply loved and appreciated you are by all of us listeners. Thank you, darling. You. The next, until the next time, hail and gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. Bye-bye for now. Bon voyage, listeners. Take this with you, hold it close to you, and fly away with tremendous joy and love. And we all go forward. Outside the box, put inside the box. Be well. <laughs>